So, as you may guess, um, we are going to be looking at uh, prayer today. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. And in, in this passage, um, we're going to see the disciples observing Jesus in prayer, right? Seeing how Jesus himself is praying and then asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. We see how you're praying, Lord, teach us to pray. And so, uh, in the text, we're going to see that Jesus is going to answer them in a couple different ways. First, he's going to give them... Um, a prayer to pray, right? The prayer that we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. He's going to, to teach him that prayer in this text. And then he's going to tell them kind of two mini parables about prayer uh, in, in, the, in the way of giving, him some, giving them some instruction about what it means to pray. And I love the passage we're going to read today because uh, it's, some of it's going to probably sound familiar to, do, to you because it's, it's got a mix of real, real simplicity, but also a lot of depth, Right? And that makes sense if we're talking about prayer, because prayer is something that's so simple and accessible that a young child can both be taught simple prayers and also spontaneously pray some of the most honest and vulnerable prayers you'll ever hear, right? If you've ever spent time in a preschool, Sunday school classroom, likely you've heard some of these prayers that children utter. Um, I found a few online. Uh, I don't know if you can read all of these. These were some prayers that were prayed in Sunday school. Um, oh man, now I can't read them all from here, but I thought they were kind of funny. Hold on for a second. Lisa, I'll switch over to the... Okay, so these are a few prayers from children. Um, the one in cursive says, Dear God, in Bible times, did they really talk that fancy? Jennifer, it's a good question. Um, Charlene said, uh, how did you know you were God? A very good question, honest prayer. Uh, and Lucy said, dear God, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? Uh, we, we had an interesting conversation about uh, where is God with Aiden yesterday that kind of was a mind bender, I'll tell you. Uh, and then the one at the top says, dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying, Elliot. Right, that's a beautiful thought. I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. What does it mean to pray, right? Is there... Is prayer just something we do uh, in church, right, or in special times, like Elliot's maybe thinking of here, or is there another way in which we pray um, that's just communicating with God, right? So, so prayer is something, right, so simple that, uh, you know, even children can pray these honest prayers, but yet it's something, if you've ever heard, uh, you know, mystics or, or some monks or people that have devoted hours of, to study and contemplation and in prayer, most of the time they just say, you know, I have so much more to learn about prayer, right? Like, uh, like those, those that pray a lot tend to say, I, I could pray even more. I have more to learn. Um, Martin, Martin Luther is credited with this quote that says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer, right? So, so here's someone who has spent a lot of time in prayer and says, you know, the more I pray, the more I need to pray, right? The more prayer I, more prayer I want to do. Uh, and so, you know, he says, hey, I have so much to do. I need to spend three hours to start in prayer. Um, well, let me go back for one second. So most of us live in between these two extremes, right? So what is prayer? Um, when do you pray? How do you pray? Uh, so this image um, is an MRI machine. Has anybody ever had the joyful experience of having to go through one of these things? Yeah. Um, we had to put a child through one once, which is not, maybe not as hard as putting yourself through one, but, but not an easy experience. Um, well, Judy, Ju I talked to Judy Sowers this week. Um, she was in the hospital and had to go through an MRI uh, while she was there because she was 
going through some pain, and she said she was inside for 90 minutes. That is a long time to be in that kind of space. And, uh, and it stood out to me, she said to me, she said, you better believe I did some talking to the Lord in there, right? Now, now Judy is a woman of prayer, and every time I talk to her, she talks to me about how she's in prayer. But there's a way in which when you are confined inside of a machine like that for an extended period of time, it really focuses your prayer life, right? Like there is a way in which you are talking to the Lord uh, because there, you know, you, you need to be, right? It focuses our attention. Uh, there are different times and seasons that our prayers may be focused, right, by different experiences that we're having, uh, different situations we find ourselves in as we, uh, as our life ebbs and flows and we, we grow and mature. There are different ways in which we may be drawn to prayer. But yet we always have something more to learn, right? And so I wonder today if we might learn to say with the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Because I'll say this one more thing before we actually read our text, that the disciples, they, they knew how to pray, right? These were, um, you know, maybe not learned men like, like Pharisees or Sadducees, but they were men who had grown up in the Jewish tradition and would have been taught prayers, right? They would have been taught to pray the Psalms. They would have been taught to pray the Jewish prayers of that day. And so they had an idea of what prayer was and, and how to pray. But yet they saw something different in Jesus, right? They observed Jesus praying in, in a different way, and, they, and, and he was their rabbi, their teacher, and said, they said, Jesus, teach us how you pray. How is it that you communicate with the Father? And so today, as we, just as we go into our passage, remember, this isn't coming from a place of, of a group of people who didn't pray at all, but they were wanting more. And so I would ask us today, do you want more? Do you want more today? So like I said, our passage comes from the book of Luke, Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. I'll read from our slides this morning, and you can look up in your pew Bibles if you have them with you. Luke 11, 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John, the Baptist, taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't give, get up and give you as much as you need. So I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet to preserve his good name, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So like I said, there's a lot of familiar uh, uh, text here in today's uh, text from Luke 11, 1 through 13. And so I wonder, what, what stood out to you from the passage today? Well, first of all, you may have noticed that, that the Lord's Prayer seemed a, a little more short, right? A little more abrupt than the version that was in our story this morning or the version that we'll pray later today, right? So the, the longer version of the Lord's Prayer comes from Matthew 6, and that's uh, the one that we traditionally pray. Uh, but Luke's prayer here, is, it's kind of just the highlights, right? It's, it's, it's similar. It sounds familiar to our ears, but it's not quite as long. And so we're not exactly sure why uh, Luke shortened the prayer, but we can, uh, but, but I think somehow in the shortness of it, it can draw our attention to some of the basics of this prayer that are important to notice. I think the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that uh, if we've been in the church for a long time, we can become so familiar with it that sometimes we can pray the words without really focusing in on what they mean, what they're saying. Uh, the the Sunday night community that uh, JR and I have been uh, trying to grow and cultivate, we always begin by saying the Lord's Prayer together. And we say it with our mouths, we pray it, but we also um, have motions that go with it. And so our, the children, as they are learning the prayer, use their hands uh, to, and their bodies, really, to, to help them remember what those words mean. When we engage like our full selves, sometimes it reminds us again to think about what those words mean mean. You'll have to ask my kids to show you sometime if you're curious what, what the motions are to the Lord's Prayer. Um, but here's a quote I read about uh, the Lord's Prayer that, that stood out to me. Um, so here is why the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples is so wonderfully refreshing, and perhaps why over the centuries it has remained the one prayer that even lapsed Christians remember. It does not require of us that we become anything we are not already. It is a deeply human kind of prayer. It is a prayer for human beings, that is, for creatures in need. If you really look at the, the text of the Lord's Prayer, it's not, there's not a lot of superfluous text there, right? It goes right to it. Uh, it gets right down to business with, with speaking to God in a really human kind of way, right? There's, now, there's a way in which praying the, the, the prayer Jesus gave us verbatim, it's a formative practice, right, to, to rehearse those words and to say them over and over again um, just the same way. Now, it makes me think of that sometimes there can be a, a debate, right, between, you know, written prayers, memorized prayers, or spontaneous prayers, right? Which is best? Which, would, which should we use to pray? Just the words that we come up with on our own or those that have been handed down to us through the church or from Scripture? And, and the answer is really that all are beneficial, right? All can be beneficial to us as we learn to relate to God. Those prayers that we read and the re recite, they are a gift to us, right? This, this prayer we read this morning is a gift from Jesus. And there are other prayers that we pray that are from other disciples and other saints who have written them for our benefit. The intent of these prayers is to teach us to pray, right? To give us words when we need them and to teach us rhythms of prayer that inform us as we learn to pray then more spontane spontaneously ourselves. Uh, in the tradition that, that J.R. and I have um, grown up into in the past several years, the Anglican tradition, there is a book of common prayer, right, that, that is um, given to us as 
clergy, and it is a book of historic prayers that's been really formative for me as a pastor, sometimes giving me words to pray when I don't have those words myself. Um, but besides that historic book of common prayer, there are other prayer books that have enriched my prayer life as well. Um, here's an image of a couple different ones. There's uh, one we just got recently called Little Prayers for Ordinary Days, and it's um, a book of simple prayers for families, for things like the first day of school. There's a, a prayer for eating food I don't like, which we've read that one at our house a few times. Um, there are just prayers for some ordinary things. Uh, there's another book called Every Moment Holy, which is uh, a book of contemporary prayers for some of the situations that we may find ourselves in. Now I'll say, this has been pretty new for me, um, praying written prayers. I grew, I grew up in an um, evangelical church tradition that was, had a lot more spontaneous prayer as part of our um, worship and, and prayer life. And so there's, there's something, you know, there's something beautiful in that, praying prayers from the heart. And so initially that felt more authentic to me than something that someone else had written. Um, but, but I wonder, um, has anyone here, now this may not be everyone, but has anyone here ever sent a birthday card or a sympathy card with text in it that you didn't write yourself, right? Probably most of us. And ha are you one of those people, who have you, have you ever spent an inordinate amount of time in the card aisle, reading every card, looking for just the right one? Now, okay, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? You're like, yeah, no, I just grabbed the first thing, right? But, but there's a few of you, there may be a few of you here who know what it's like to just stand in that aisle, reading every poem, reading every text, trying to find the one that catches exactly what it is you want to say. And there's, there's this euphoria that comes, right? When you open the card that either makes you laugh or makes you cry because it's like, yes, that's what I wanted to say. That's what I wanted to say. I just didn't know exactly how to say it, right? And, I, and so I finally found this card, right? This Hallmark card or, or whatever that, that captures what it is um, my heart wanted to say. And I, and I want to give it to someone to express to them how I feel in words that I can't come up with on my own, right? So, so that's that analogy. That's how I felt about adding some of these written prayers to my prayer life. Yes, you know, the note at the bottom is still important, right? Like adding our own thoughts and text to that. But sometimes, um, you know, praying these prayers that we've been given is, is a way of yeah, like saying, yes, God, this is, this is what I want to say. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't come up with these words myself, but this, this captures my heart and what I want to say. Uh, and I think one of the reasons, though, that we can, can step away from this, and this maybe even would have been an issue in Jesus' time, that that we don't want things to feel formulaic, right? And that's, that's really not the point. I think uh, the, the problem comes when we think that, that written prayers are formulas to get us what we want. And that's definitely not the case. There's not just one way to pray a blessing on a baby, right? Like there's not just one way to pray these prayers, but these are meant to be models and gifts, not formulas, right? Not, not formulas guaranteeing results, but uh, gifts to form us and our understanding of who God is and how we can relate to him. So let's look at some of the text of um, this prayer and uh, the, the words that we are going to receive from Jesus on this. So he just says here, you know, Father, right? The, he addresses God as Father. Uh, and so the, the context of that is that there are many ways we can address God, but this is a way of addressing God that recognizes that we have a relationship with him, right? There is a relationship implied in the way that this prayer is addressed. It's addressed, Father. 
And yet, yet even though um, there's a, a familial uh, relationship here, the next sentence, hallowed be thy name, right, it implies that, that this is someone to whom we are connected, but yet there is an otherness to him, right? There is a holiness to him. We, we remember, you know, hey, yes, you are our father, but hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, right? God, you are king. You have a kingdom. And we're praying that God's kingdom would come in Jesus and that our prayers would, would continue to bring that kingdom to fruition, right? And then we see these requests. Give us. Forgive us, right? And, and lead us. These are bold words, right? There's not even any please. It just goes right to it, right? Give us what we need, God. Forgive us for what we've done and, and lead us not into temptation. Bold requests. Bold requests here. And I, and I, and I want to say something about the last one, this, you know, lead us not into temptation. That can be a, a bit of a tricky one to think about. But uh, as I read about that this week, this, this idea, it's not temptation in the way we think about as enticement to sin that we're talking about here. Uh, a, a better translation would be um, the, the time, a time of trial. Temptation is a time of trial. So it's saying, you know, pr preserve us from situations that would test our faith, particularly um, persecution and things like that. This is very similar to a prayer that Jesus would pray for his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he knew they were about to face a time of persecution and scattering, that God would lead them through that safely. And so that is the kind of uh, temptation that he is uh, talking about here. And so Jesus gives them these words, and then he jumps into a story. He says this, suppose you have a friend, right? So this is supposed to be a relatable story. Suppose you have a friend, right? And you go to him at midnight and, and you say, uh-oh, we have a situation. Uh, I need three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Okay, so this, is, this would have been a common thing, right? So people, they didn't call ahead, right? There's no cell phones. They just showed up. So if someone was on a journey and they happened to be in your community when they needed to stop for the night, um, it, was the, it was your job to show hospitality, right? The, and, that, and it didn't just reflect badly on you and your household if you weren't able to do that. Well, it reflected badly on the whole community because you were supposed to help each other when this happened. It would be a very shameful thing to not be able to give hospitality to a guest that ends up at your house. And so this would be a familiar story up until the point where the man inside says, don't bother me. Uh, the door is already locked and I, I can't give up and give, give you anything. Now that would be shocking to the, to the disciples to hear that response. Like, that's disgraceful. No good person would ever do that, would ever say that. They would get up, they would do it, right? And so they're like, what, who, who would say that? What a horrible thing to say, what kind of person is this? And so, you know, Jesus continues, he's, you know, yet, yet I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet to preserve his good name, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So in the story, it's just a, a reminder to say, hey, it's not, it's not because of um, the friendship that he wants to get out of bed, right? But it's because of his own uh, good name. It's because of his own good character that he responds to the request. It is the goodness of this person's character that, that initiates his response and giving them, uh, giving his neighbor what he needs. It's doing the right thing to keep his own reputation intact. And so to say of, of God, 
right? That, that his character is what we rely upon in prayer. Him being true to himself is what we can rely upon. Many of you will remember, um, we, we read together and studied the book, The Good and Beautiful God, together. Um, we, we discussed it, we read it, we talked about it in a sermon series. And, and if you'll remember, the premise of the book, The Good and Beautiful God, is that if we don't have an accurate view of who God is, it can put our entire Christian life off course, right? If we don't really understand who God is and how good he is uh, and how trustworthy he is, it will, it will put the rest of our discipleship on the wrong path. And so we see in this prayer and in this parable that, that God is the friend who responds, not because it's convenient, not because he just happens to feel like it, but because it's in line with his character to do so. He's responding out of his good nature. And so from there, we see uh, Jesus saying, so, let, so I'll say this to you as well, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Basically, this is the same thing, right, repeated three times, right, just in different ways, to emphasize this, this, this idea that we can approach God with boldness, right? We can ask. Now, this, this is not a promise that God is a cosmic vending machine, right? This isn't a, you know, do this and then this will happen. But it's the idea that, that unasked questions don't get answers, right? If you want an answer, you have to ask. If you want the door to open, you have to knock. Right? We've got uh, an Alexa device at our house. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You, you ask her for something. Well, she doesn't just give me the weather forecast unless I ask, right? If you want Alexa to give you all the information of the world, uh, it's at your fingertips, but you have to ask her for it, right, if you want that. And so we ask God if we want to hear, right? Lost items sought are much more likely to be found, right? Doors knocked on are much more likely to be opened. The, uh, uh, so I, I read another quote today in, in one of the commentaries, and it said that, like, you know, in order to pray, we need the self-knowledge to recognize the depths of our need and enough humility to ask for help, right? We have to be able to ask for help, and, we, and that takes some humility to say we need help, to acknowledge that, that we need God. So do we have that posture required, that humility, to acknowledge that God is God and we are not, and to ask him for the things that we need? This last uh, parable uh, sounds probably familiar to you, and, and it's a little, it's a little uh, crazy, right? He's, he's, being, he's speaking in extremes to catch our attention here. Now, so which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead, right? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? <laughs> if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, while I'm not the world's greatest parent by any stretch, I'm reminded often of my shortcomings. This passage makes me feel a little better about myself, right? Uh, now, now, my kids will very quickly tell you that I don't give them everything they ask for, but I certainly don't give them snakes or scorpions. So, it could be worse, right? Uh, now, do I, do I answer every request they have of me and give them everything they want? Of course not. Of course not. But I certainly don't give them bad things 
right? When they ask for good ones. We're to understand here that God, he gives what is necessary and beneficial to us, right? Not just whatever we desire. But if even, you know, broken parents know how to care for their children, how much greater must God's capacity be to provide that which truly would nourish us, right? And, and the, the, the most supreme expression of that is his gift of the Holy Spirit, which, you know, among other things, represents God's pledge to bring a new age of salvation to fulfillment. And what a good gift that spirit is, right? And so we see again in this story, as we did in the other one, the character of our good God, right? And I think, you know, in Jesus' time, there was a way in which um, those, uh, like the Romans and the other, other uh, first century kind of, you know, religions that worship certain deities, it was about, you know, special words said a special way. If you want, you know, a child, you need to pray this certain prayer to this God and, and maybe give this sacrifice. Or if you want, you know, rain to come on your crops, you better pray this certain prayer. And if you pray it the wrong way, then the gods aren't going to hear you, right? They're not going to send rain if you leave a word out or if you don't bend over the right way or something. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to say the exact right words, right? You don't have to be in the exact right kneeling posture or place for God to hear you. God hears you because he's God, and his character is to care for his people, right? So, yes, there's a way in which you, you come to him in prayer, and, and I want to teach you, you know, the words that help you express what's in your heart and words that help you, you know, articulate to God what it is that you need, but it's not because of those words. It's because of who God is, that he hears and responds to our, your prayers. Now, earlier I talked about being inside of, you know, an MRI machine and, and how, you know, sometimes physical confinement can open doors for spiritual, deeper spiritual awareness, right? Maybe you're not confined today inside an MRI machine, but maybe you're facing other limitations, physical or otherwise, that, that are focusing you in prayer in another way in this season of life. We also remember, you know, the, the, the beginning of, of COVID lockdown, right, when we were in our homes all the time and what that felt like to, to be confined and, and maybe how that drove us to a different kind of focused prayer. Now, confinement like that, it can either create feelings of panic and frustration or it can lead us to more authentic times of communion with God. Prayer is the act of, of human beings who know how hard it is to be human. Real prayer, it can't, it can't be faked. Here, I've got, that, I've got this for you here. This is a great quote I read this week. Prayer is the act of human beings who know how hard it is to be human, right? That authentic prayer. Real prayer cannot be faked. Its only prerequisites are sufficient self-knowledge to recognize the depths of our need and enough humility to ask for help. Again, that piece about humility, right? Recognizing what we need to ask for. Uh, there's, there's certainly a lot of books about prayer out there, even about the Lord's Prayer specifically, and, and a number of them have, have been important to me over the years. The, the one I've read this past year that really caught my attention was uh, a book by Tish Harrison Warren called Prayer in the Night, um, Prayers for Those Who Work or Watch or Weep. And uh, this book is, a, is taking a historic evening prayer of the church, and it 
breaks it, and she breaks it down in order to learn how to pray through the most difficult and dark times, right? The night representing times of darkness, right? The times when we uh, can't see. Are you, are you needing to pray through a time you can't see right now? Are you in a time of darkness? She considers, you know, those nighttime prayers, they, they bring us to another depth of authenticity, right? Because sometimes our morning prayers, they're hopeful prayers. They're prayers uh, for the time when we can see, but our evening prayers, our guard is down. We're tired. We're facing darkness and uncertainty. And it takes us to a new level of vulnerability in prayer. And both, both are important, right? Prayers of the day and prayers of the night. Practices of prayer, she says, they give the words of, to my anxiety and grief and allowed me to re-encounter the doctrines of the church, not as tidy little antidotes for pain, but as light in the darkness and as good news. Prayers to help us acknowledge the good news. And sometimes in the day we, we pray to celebrate the good news, right? And sometimes we pray in order to see the good news. But prayer can lead us into deeper communion with God and awareness of the good news he has even in dark times. And so I, I started with the question, you know, do you want more today? Do you want more? And I realized this morning that, that like Jesus was, I'm, I'm primarily talking to a group of people who would say, like the disciples, yes, we've, we've been taught how to pray, and we, we know how to pray, and, and many of you could probably teach me a lot about uh, prayer and way, the way that it has influenced your life. And so this morning, I'm not saying, you know, listen to me and learn more from me, but I'm saying, all of us, let's all of us, do we want to look to Jesus today and say, Lord, teach us to pray? Teach us who your Father is. Give us the humility to acknowledge our need and teach us to pray. It's truly my prayer that we as a community would be a people constantly praying, yet also